0: All right, let's start talking.
1: Okay. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Hey, pretty fantastic. How are you doing, Leo?
0: I'm doing really well. So you read the book, right?
1: Kind of. I listened to audiobook for most of it, and then read some of the uh, supplemental chapters that came with it. I don't mind going first because I'm super excited to talk about this book. Go ahead. All right. So I have some good things to say about it. First, I think it is a phenomenal book. And uh, there are some other nonfiction books that have stuck with me over the years. But I have a feeling right now that this might be the best nonfiction book that I guess would be qualified as like self help or personal development or whatever you want to call it. It ranks really high up there with
0: me yeah i agree i think this is this is like the highest caliber self-help book that i've read that i can even think of there's so many like solid takeaways and lessons in this book and uh just like when you read the book he talks about the process of writing the book but also you could tell this was a series of maybe like blog posts but these felt Um, a lot more connected to each other. The previous book I actually read before that was uh, Derek Sivers' book, Anything You Want. And that was a really good book, but it felt much more like disconnected. Whereas this book, even though there's a lot of different concepts, he he kind of strung them together a lot more easily, making it a lot more easily graspable. And there's so many practical tips and so many like, oh, yeah, okay, this is something I can grasp. I don't want to get into it too much, but there's fewer anecdotes that that get into like proving the concept so much as like more anecdotes to say examples of the concept. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And yeah, following along with that, I totally agree. I loved all of the examples, the analogies and the short stories. Not all of them were relatable, but I think by keeping them nice and short like that, improve the odds of having more of them that would be relatable, which goes a long way. And I can also totally see what you're saying about this conceivably being a bunch of blog posts that then got reorganized because the information does flow really well, it almost has this like hierarchical structure to it, where it has these high level concepts that are very simple processes to say in just one or two sentences. And then as you get deeper into the book, they start breaking them down into even more simple steps that are also easy to remember, easy to recite. And so thinking of this in terms of like how you remember it, you can also remember If anything else, you have like a handful of takeaways. And then if you think about those, then you can start thinking, oh yeah, I remember this and this and this from subsequent chapters. And it helps you expand on everything that you learn. So it makes it also really easy to remember the material, which it is a very nutrient dense book, but it also helps recall that information, which is really helpful when you want to do something like remove a bad habit or introduce a new good habit in your life and you don't want the cruft of it being like really over formalized.
0: And he also like each chapter, he has like summaries and takeaways and exercises. It's all very easily applicable. Well, I I wouldn't go so far as to say easily applicable, but it's understandably applicable. That's probably a better way to do
1: it. Yeah. The supplemental material includes uh, cheat sheets and templates for some of the ways that you can think about. Your approach to developing new habits. But I also want to add that not all of it is really simple. He does talk about some processes that do require you to kick yourself out of a habit and put conscious thought into a process to make sure that your habits are actually setting you up to achieve uh, like the kind of change you want to see in your life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So let's get into it. Let's start with talking about the introduction. This was probably the most jarring for me because it was totally unexpected. So I want to add a content warning. Before anything else, the introduction includes a graphic description of bodily harm that happens to the author, and I will offer a slight spoiler. He recovers, obviously, because I'm listening to the audiobook narrated by the author. However, if that might make some people uneasy, then I think it's okay to skip the intro. There's not the same kind of detail in the intro. As you're going to get from all of the other chapters in the book. So, just a little warning there.
0: Yeah. I think what I found the most interesting was the use of habits, but also he talks about, as somebody who wants to get better at writing, he talks about what it took to write the book and the fact that he would uh, publish a new article every Monday and Thursday and how he made the write- writing into an actual habit of his. And that's what led to his growth. And I thought that was interesting for me. It's like, okay, how much work does it? take to, to build an audience like he did. And he built that habit of writing. And that's, that's something I struggle with is getting more into a habit of, of that kind of thing is writing and and doing what we're doing now, recording a podcast and things like that. It's like, okay, obviously the habit is one of the most important things you could do when you're trying to be in this field.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so content warning aside, I'll add that the way that he overcame that adversity is a really good demonstration of how a person's Growth may take you in different directions than you initially set out to do. It indicates that you don't necessarily have to be limited by things that happen in your own life. And lots of times there are those uh, small little changes that may seem mundane or monotonous day to day, but over the course of time, they really add up and can have some big impact.
0: Another thing in the book that I highlight is how his book, really the backbone of it is that four-step model of cue, craving, response, and reward, and how that differs from what Power of Habit says is cue, routine, and reward. This book is much more about, I don't want to say emotionally manipulate yourself but how to get yourself out of the rut of the craving and the reward uh, parts of the habit.
1: Does that make sense? If I'm understanding correctly, it's trying to realize that we do have like thousands of years of evolution that have led us to really want to automate tons and tons of processes that we go through you know any given day and yet we also have this essentially unique ability to be able to kick ourselves out of those habits that habit loop or those stages are a really elegant way to remind ourselves that we can do that and that it's actually a fairly simple not necessarily easy process to do.
0: Going back to talking about his writing and how he built that habit, I think one of the big messages about this book, I'm getting into like the, the first chapter is this kind of thesis, is that this sort of idea of like compound interest. It's the small change that lead to big outcomes. And I really liked the analogy of
1: the melting ice. Yeah. So the, the analogy that the author uses is that if you have a piece of ice it's maybe 20 degrees Fahrenheit outside. If you add a little bit of temperature, one degree at a time, you're not going to notice the ice melting. It's only until you add enough temperature, enough heat to overcome that 32 degrees Fahrenheit, where you actually start seeing the change that you want. And I find that really relatable. It says that change can take a long time and that it can require persistent effort and that in both cases, you either have to trust that the results are going to happen or you have to analyze the situation and understand at what point the scale is going to tip in your favor. So, you know, thinking about that from ourselves day to day, if we're exercising or dieting to lose weight, uh, we may not see big results day to day. However, if we keep at it and are losing you know an average of half a pound a week we can do the math and actually see that we're going to start dropping those pounds over the course of a few months.
0: Yeah, exactly. He calls it the valley of disappointment where like you're in those early middle stages where you're doing the change, but you're not seeing it. It takes a while for for you to be able to see those actual effects. And I think the ice cube is just such a great analogy because I mean, that's, that's how the chemistry works. Essentially is like if you add more energy, it doesn't really matter until the temperature gets up to like 32, 33. And then as you add more energy, the ice becomes liquid.
1: And it's such a great illustration I agree. And I also want to add at this point, the author also does a really good job of looking at all of the exceptions that one might make with those kinds of analogies because it's an analogy. It's only going to go so far. So it might raise the question of okay, so I start this habit. How do I know it's going to be working like how do i know it's effective and a lot of those kinds of questions are also answered throughout the book
0: yeah yeah exactly just one more quote time magnifies the margin between success and failure it will multiply whatever you feed good habits make time your ally bad habits make time your enemy that's such a a great way to illustrate the effects of time and and compound interest and how it's just a matter of repetition is so important to build the automatic habit of doing like exercise or whatever good habits you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, I really like that idea of uh, associating with time as well, because the author later does get into the science of how repetition can be an effective means of improving our ability to do things even if they aren't something that comes naturally to us and even if they're not something that we can consciously even know that we are training ourselves to do yeah exactly that's such a good point the next portion of the book after laying out that analogy and really motivating people to start making small changes in their lives is about thinking of habits in terms of like reshaping your identity i think it started at chapter two this part really blew me away. I had never heard of such a thing before. I had always heard of habits being developed to pursue some kind of a goal or like some other kind of big vision. And so the idea of reframing our habits as ways that we can reshape our identity and vice versa, just totally floored me. And so this is really where I got hooked on the book. So I I love that notion of identity-based habits which at a very very basic level starts with if you want to start eating better stop telling yourself that you're going to start eating better and start calling yourself a vegetarian if that's the approach that you want to take and so that small change in saying who you are and making it sound part of your as part of your identity is really vital to Making sure that you stick with the habits because they become a part of your identity. They become a part of your motivation at that point. And ultimately, in the effort of staying true to ourselves they're going to keep us going and improve our odds of being successful.
0: Right. Exactly. It's like, if you want to read more books, say you want to become a reader, if you want to learn an instrument, don't just say, I'm going to learn an instrument. Say you want to become a musician. That's a great way to illustrate it. And then it goes the other way as well. He talks about in the book about two smokers and how like the one guy who said, I'm quitting smoking. And the other guy said, I'm not a smoker anymore. Like that, slight phrasing difference made a difference in who had the ability to actually quit smoking better because the guy who said, I don't smoke anymore, identified himself no longer as a smoker in a sense, whereas the other guy just, he's still a smoker who's quitting smoking and he doesn't realize subconsciously he's he's doing it temporarily by using that phrasing. And I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And at first, some of those examples might seem anecdotal or subjective, but the author also adds in studies about this and shows that there is really, really strong correlation in success when people are incorporating an identity shift uh, in order to make the changes in their lives
0: yeah and i think it goes to like jumping a little bit ahead he in chapter four he talks about how you know does every behavior that you do uh, go with the desired identity that you intend to be does somebody who's a food eater or somebody who only eats health food you know eat big macs because if they're not that kind of person like that's a little bit of a motivation for you not to eat that kind of food, no matter how delicious it may be for you. And I think it kind of illustrates that point.
1: Yeah, I've seen some uh, recent examples as well. Thinking about what a person that you imagine as successful would do in a similar situation. So if you find yourself on social media all the time, think is... Elon Musk really scrolling through Twitter nonstop. Well, throughout his day,
0: maybe, but
1: But, yeah, (laughs) actually that might be a bad example because it does seem (laughs) like he hops on Twitter at weird times. Um, but I think the general idea is that you can imagine situations like that. And it's pretty, usually pretty clear that no, that person would not do that sort of thing. So if you take on those kinds of qualities as part of your own identity, then you can more easily make that shift. I also wanted to add that there was one nuance here that I thought could be a little bit challenging and don't think that it was quite addressed in the book, is that typically our identities don't change quickly. And so we might have a sense of ourselves that other people are like our friends and our coworkers are well aware of. And so if you are a smoker and then you decide to become someone who does not smoke, then it might be something where it's worth communicating that to your peers so that they don't rag on you like when you make this sudden change, because then you're going to be trying to make this change. And then you have people ragging on you or trying to shake you up um, and not necessarily on purpose. But I, I think the idea is to like, If you communicate that you're wanting to change, then it'll also improve your odds if you let people know that I want to reframe myself as a person who does not smoke, carrying on that same example.
0: So you mean like you quit smoking and like all your friends are smokers and they try to like razz you or what do you
1: mean? Yeah, exactly. Or like, um, you know, if you're in a habit of going out to eat every day with your coworkers to get out of the office and the way that you want to approach dieting is that you want to stop eating out so much then it might be really challenging with that extra peer pressure. So, um, I think holistically it's addressed over the course of the book. However, I would have liked to have seen this called out specifically saying that if you want to make an identity shift by saying something like, I don't eat out at restaurants or I don't eat lunch, you know, at restaurants or whatever, that It's worth communicating that to your friends so that they're not taken aback and they are going to be supportive instead of trying to peer pressure you or just say things that might be flipping comments, but still have the effect of uh, breaking you down instead of boosting you up.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's one thing I thought about was how difficult it can be to get out of social circles where there are bad habits there, such as smoking or like overeating or eating junk food so on and so forth. And that's really hard for people to get out of that habit. I mean, studies have been done, right? Where it's like, if your friends are obese, it's highly likely you're going to be obese as well. It's a big challenge. It's not something that's just simple and easy to overcome. You almost have to break from those friends to to break from those habits in a lot of ways.
1: Great. Yeah, I totally agree. And there are examples. I think the example that comes up later in the book, not specifically about this, but that is relatable is a monkey learning a uh, a better technique yes. to, to get food, I believe. Yeah. And then the- it's introduced to a new group of monkeys who do not know that trick. And so the monkey stops doing the trick for the purpose of fitting in. So we're not monkeys. However, we are social beings. And so it's worth having those conversations or just being able to identify that if you want to make a habit shift or an identity shift that you might have to consider the influences on you when you make those changes as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the challenges is, is if you're in certain social circles, like that idea of, quote unquote, a successful person, like you may not even know what that is like because your social circle is so limited by by who you hang around. So you might not have any idea of what a, quote unquote, successful person does. Going back to like unknown unknowns, like that's going to be a real challenge for somebody to be able to pick up on what good habits they really need to be doing. It's like, well, you know, if I smoke, it's not that big of a deal or if i eat junk food every day it's not that big of a deal because everybody else does it like i don't know anybody else who does it. i would assume that elon musk does the same thing every day like they have no clue they don't like go to a gym or they don't work out or it's just not part of their habit
1: yeah yeah very true
0: Chapter three, he starts talking about the habit loop. This is really interesting. So the way he he talks about habits is cue, craving, response, and reward. And then the steps are all about, for good habits, making it obvious, making it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. And then for the bad habits, just basically do the opposite, right? So it'd be like, make it, make it not obvious, make it not attractive, make it difficult, make it un- very unsatisfying.
1: Yeah, he really does a good job illustrating that point. Yeah, I love that parallel between using the same approach to start a good habit by making it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying, and breaking a bad habit by making it hidden and ugly and uh, hard and uh, painful. Yeah, exactly. You can apply the same process. You just have to think about it in opposing ways. Yep. Yep. That also adds to the very like simple process, and that makes it very easy to uh, internalize as well. Like we started out with, that makes this information very easy to recollect, which makes it easier to apply.
0: Yeah, exactly. So one of the quotes I thought was interesting, it was a bit misleading was people who say habits make my life dull. And I I found that like really a strange quote because like, I don't even know what that means as far as a habit. Like, I think their idea of a habit must be something different because the whole point point in having things be a habit is that they're automatic. Like it doesn't make life any more dull. It doesn't make life necessarily any more exciting per se, except only exciting in the sense of accomplishment. And when he gets into talking about making things. More satisfying, making habits more satisfying, it also makes it better. But like the goal of making things a habit is to make it automatic, make it something you don't even think about. You don't think that, oh, like I'm gonna brush my teeth. Like it's not something you think about. It's not necessarily something you are excited about, but it could be something that just is part of your routine. It's like you you don't even think about doing it.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Uh,
0: I don't know how, how better to
1: yeah. And I'm in agreement with you. My attempt to look at this through the eyes of someone who would ask that question of will a habit make my life dull got me to think that maybe this has maybe this is addressing people who like to glamorize the new and unique things that they are doing that are at times where people usually associate with like strong strong locomotion of habits, like waking up is a time where we just get out of bed. We go through this long routine all so that we can go to work. And then it's at work where we start doing all of these different things. Whereas all it takes is a few posts on Instagram to say like, wow, look at this amazing new restaurant that I tried for breakfast, or look at this new unique dish, like using Italian ingredients or whatever that I'm trying out to glamorize this idea that I want to make every single breakfast different and amazing. And like for some people, maybe, maybe that is part of your goals. Maybe that is part of the identity that you want to have. But I think that every person is going to have different things that they want to focus on in their life. And the idea that you're saying is that habits make all of the things that we don't want to focus on automatic so that we can put more energy into those things that we do want to be unique about our days. Okay,
0: that's really interesting. It reminds me, um, maybe I can find it, but there was a TED Talk, the idea of we don't think about the hard work that needs to be done in order to get the product that we need and we always just think about the resulting product. And I think maybe that's kind of... I don't, I don't know if I'm anywhere near, but like people are thinking about like, oh, the habit. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to think about going back to brushing my teeth. I don't want to think about brushing my teeth. I just want to have a really good smile. And it's like, well, brushing your teeth, for one thing, it's not necessarily about look. It's about dental hygiene. It's about the out outcome of it that people want as opposed to the quote unquote work that it involves. And it's almost like they're skipping the part about the hard work it involves and don't realize that the goal of building a habit is to make that hard work easier, but they would rather just skip the hard work and get to the, you know, beautiful white smile.
1: Does that make sense? Like, I think a part of that goes back to the compounding interest as well, is that, the, the small little changes from those habits day to day may not look that glamorous, but, um, maybe it's the results after months or years that you get that like huge payoff and that makes it worth it.
0: So maybe like a better analogy is like a six pack abs, right? Okay. It's like, I just want to have a six pack, six pack abs or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's, that's great. But like, They almost, in some cases, they'll, I think there's going to be a certain part of the audience that will read this book and be like, no, I don't want to do all this work. I don't want to do, you know, 50 crunches a day. Like, I just want to have six pack abs, like, or I don't want to diet. And like, what they don't understand is you have to do some work. And what this book is about helping you is how making it so that for one thing, A, you start thinking of yourself as a more athletic person or more of a fitness geek, and then Is that a thing? Can you be a fitness geek? You can be a fitness geek. I'll let that be. Okay. Um, You, A, have to think of yourself more as a fitness geek, and then, two, you have to, like, build the habit of exercise and dieting. To me, this is a fantastic book, but I could see somebody coming away with this book going, like, no, I I don't want to be a fitness geek. I just want to have the result. I just want to have the cookie. I just want to have the clean laundry. I don't want to have to, like, do the work, so to speak, even though this is, like, all about helping you get that work done and, and actually enjoying it to get the result that you want.
1: Yeah, and we've only covered a portion of the book as well, so... There are strategies that the author author offers. Author that, authors. Yes. Um
0: author writes about. M- there we go. I'll yeah, put that there in the it. it
1: says that you can you can make things that would otherwise seem monotonous be exciting. And actually that's a really good way. It's like going back to the four steps, uh, making it attractive, making it obvious, making it satisfying. Like those are really good ways that you can make the habits that you're developing less boring or monotonous. And so you can get the best of both worlds. Part of it is giving the whole book a chance and knowing that, you know, if you're coming up with these ideas by the time you get to chapter three or four and starting to form opinions about the book, just keep reading because a lot of the exceptions that I was coming up with as I listened to the book uh, were addressed and ended up being addressed in a really good way.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you at this point, He talks about the habit loop and that, of course, brings a lot of memories back to reading Power of Habit. I don't know if you want to talk about how this book compares to Power of Habit,
1: what you felt it did differently that you thought maybe it did better. I think the things that are coming to mind right now, one, the shorter analogies were way better than the much longer, uh, unrelatable stories that, seem to offer credibility in the power of habit, the habit loop you had asked, or like you had reminded me of that from the power of habit and I couldn't come up with it. So even though in the power of habit, that habit loop is only three steps, it's a key routine reward. Yes.
0: And what he talks about in the book is like in the last few decades, that loop has been a little bit more updated. And so he's kind of using that updated research to use his loop, which is uh, Q craving response and reward. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that's what he
0: said. Cause it's based on BF Skinner.
1: Gotcha. <coughs> All right. The, the so old one was, excuse me. Q craving response reward. Um, for some reason, maybe it's the double alliteration is a lot easier for me to recall. Oh yeah. It is real easier to recall. Yep. And then um, I think the, the third thing is uh, because there are smaller analogies There um, also seem to be a lot more like specific, actionable examples. It's easier for me to jump from the ideas of the book to how I would apply them to my own life.
0: I completely agree. Like you pretty much nailed it on the head to me. It's like power of habit. I think it spends way too much time on like executive level credibility of telling you about, but like, I I can't relate to Tony Dungy or like Paul O'Neill or the guy who sold toothpaste. Like that doesn't, that doesn't relate to me. And it's not like, oh, okay, I get it. Like I can apply this to my life. Whereas like in this book, it's like little micro anecdotes.
1: Atomic even.
0: Nice. A little atomic anecdotes. And then it's like, here's how you apply it. It's not like Like, here's how, if you're the head executive of a steel company in the 1980s, how you're going to increase profits for your, like stockholders. Like that doesn't apply to me. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go in my family and tell my five kids, we need to update our safety standards so that we, we can be more productive in this household. Is this like, it's not applicable. And so like this book, it's just like, oh yeah, I get it. And then like you said, he has like supplemental materials and he has exercise sheets. It's just, it's much more tangible. And it, I don't know if like that stuff in Power of Habit is supposed to make it more applicable or whether it's about building credibility, but it just seems like a lot of that book is all about credibility and these stories of executive types that yeah. just aren't relatable uh, to the average person
1: yeah I got I know, the impression
0: and I know there's a lot of people who love that book too like and he certainly he even says you know in this book that he has a lot of great things to say and there's a, there is there's is nuggets of good stuff in that book but it's just nowhere near as dense as as this book was when it comes to actionable ways to change your life.
1: Yeah, I got a strong impression that the author of Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear, was a lot more mindful of who would be reading the book and was catering to them. Or maybe not catering, um, but keeping them in mind because they're the ones who are reading to get value out of his knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And then also on the flip side, some of those bigger stories about transforming companies and industries, I Was able to make parallels using the content of Atomic Habits, but I didn't find as many examples of those. um, Which uh, the point is, like, I want to apply these to my own life. However, I do think that a lot of the strategies in Atomic Habits can be applied to making changes in organizations, communities, industries, uh, government. I mean you name it.
0: Yeah, and obviously he's hired he's hired out for that. He has a whole academy
1: for this stuff. Yep. So and it's like
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: One of the uh, supplemental chapters is about using these strategies in business as well.
0: But see, it's like it's one little chapter that's like at the very end. It's not like it's not like the whole book. You're going to have a whole chapter telling you the arduous story of turning around a steel company it's like thing i can think of is like here's a little story about ncr here's how ncr started uh you know national cash register company and it's like okay that's great it makes total sense and he doesn't go into like he doesn't spend the whole other chapter talking talking about this company it was just like a small little anecdote to illustrate a point like you said an analogy that's easily applicable yep yeah well eric I think now might be a good stopping point and we could talk about the rest of this book in the next episode.
1: Does that sound okay with you? Yeah, totally. I I realize how far we are into the book and how long we've been talking about it. So obviously, we're very enthused and uh, have a lot more to say. I don't want to hide all of that from the listeners. So this is a really good stopping point.
0: All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later.
1: All right. To be continued.